Hello, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Chronicles of War. I'm Darren Michael Shaw, the story's author. This week's episode finds Job, his family, and friends in the aftermath of his being wounded at Arkansas Post. Historians tell us that a great many of the Civil War wounded actually died from their treatment. Medical science hadn't yet come to a modern understanding of germs and sterilization and the risks of infection by the mid-1800s. Doctors treated symptoms and gave little thought to their cause. And some of the most graphic descriptions of the Civil War experience were those of surgeons' tents, doctors covered with blood and operating with the same knives and saws, patient after patient. A common mention in journals was a pile of severed limbs at the foot of the surgeon's table and the accompanying sounds and smells that you might imagine. I've tried to be a little less graphic and to leave much to the imagination in these episodes. I'd say I, I hope you'll enjoy it, but I suppose it would simply be better to say, and now, Episode 9, Chronicles of War. Parson Wentworth steered the carriage up the mill road towards the Trites farm. Lewis, out following tracks in the winter snow, was the first to see them. He ran to the house to alert his mom of their approaching guests. Harriet was changing bed linens when he burst through the door. Mother, Parson Wentworth, and another man just turned up the path. She wasn't expecting the parson. She uttered, Dear God, under her breath, dropping the linens and rushing to the front door of the house to see for herself. Afternoon, Harriet, the parson shouted as their carriage came to a stop. Harriet recognized the man with the parson. It was Job's dear friend, Jonah Sullivan. Afternoon, parson. Afternoon, Mr. Sullivan. The winter cold gave Harriet a chill as she stood in the doorway. Won't you gentlemen come in? Parson Wentworth had stepped down from the carriage and was assisting Mr. Sullivan. Turning to Lewis, Harriet ordered, Go tell Nancy Ann that we have guests. Lewis ran back into the house. Jonas Sullivan was usually unsteady on his feet since the accident. He had even more difficulty in the winter. Parson Wentworth escorted him, Sullivan's usual walking stick practically useless in the winter slush between their carriage and the house. Harriet knew in her heart this was more than a social visit. The three took seats in the front room of the farmhouse. Nancy Ann entered from the kitchen, a carafe of tea and four cups in hand. There was silence in the room as she stood in their midst and poured cup for each of their guests, one for her mom, and then finally she poured one for herself and sat down next to her mother. Lewis peeked into the room from the hallway. Harriet, Job's alive, Jonas began. Nancy Ann exhaled and relaxed her posture. Harriet didn't. She sat absolutely fixed. But, she begged, he's been badly wounded. I have here a report from the chaplain. Parson Wentworth extended an envelope. Do you want to take a moment to read it, or shall I share with you the details as I know them? Harriet's hand shook as she reached for the report. She took it, and without looking at it, she slipped it into the pocket of her apron. Tell me, she said. 
Company H took heavy casualties at Arkansas Post. Job was wounded during the final advance on Fort Hinman. He received wounds to his shoulder, his hip, and his lower leg. The surgeons were able to stabilize him. He's been removed by transport. Removed to where? Nancy Ann slid closer and reached for her mother's hand. This report doesn't say. Jonas Sullivan again spoke up. It's likely that he's been moved to Adams, a hospital in Memphis where they treat many of the Union wounded. I will ready myself to travel. Will you take me there? Harriet stood. Harriet, we need to wait and to see what the next few days bring. We cannot simply make our way into the path of the conflict. We don't know who or where or... Excuse me, Parson, Harriet spoke forcefully. You do not know who. I know who. This is my husband that we're talking about. He needs me, and I will go. Neither Abraham Lincoln nor Jefferson Davis will stop me. Harriet, this time Jonas Sullivan spoke over the parson. I will see if I can learn where he is, and we can travel together. Can you hear me, Mr. Trites? You've had surgical fever. They've been trying to make you comfortable. Job wasn't sure whose voice it was, though he spoke as if they were acquainted. He strained to focus his eyes to make out the face of the man leaning over him. Job's mouth felt like cotton and his tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth as he tried to form words. Thomas? It's me, Mr. Trites. Young Thomas the Cooper's face came into focus. I'm glad you're awake. I've been dying to have one of our devotion talks. Dying? Job was struck by the irony of the word. I've been contemplating death just now, Thomas. Thomas? Job was jarred into the moment. Mr. Trite, it's me, John Henderson. Job blinked his eyes, and, and it was indeed the face of young Mr. Henderson beside him. John, I'm sorry. I'm very confused right now. Job looked the boy up and down and noticed a fresh packing. His arm was gone at the elbow. Seeing Job studying his wound, young Mr. Henderson began, I didn't even know I was hit at first. It felt like a bee sting. The next thing I knew, they were hitting me with the chloroform and some woman was singing me to sleep. I got a glimpse of the pile before I left the tent. Job, did you see it? The pile? Yes, in the surgeon's tent. Legs, arms, hands, feet. It was a hill about the height of a man. My arm was in there somewhere. I wish I could have said goodbye to it. John Henderson snorted and smiled as if what he had said was funny. Seeing that Job wasn't amused in the least, he retracted the grin. I didn't see any of that, was all Job could muster. He turned and looked down the ward. The room was filled with men in various stages of recovery, or, he supposed, in nearing proximity to death. Are you up for one of your God talks, Mr. Trites? Job turned back to John Henderson. He didn't feel much like talking, but he also knew he could never pass up a fertile moment. He was, after all, a farmer. Are you familiar with the 23rd Psalm, John? He began. Listen to me. How many men from Company H were sent to Adams? Jonas pulled his collar up over his neck as the snowfall intensified. As many as eleven, but I know that they lost a few men on the transport. 
The secretary flipped through his rosters, wiping away snow from his thick eyebrows and lashes. Clearly annoyed, the gentleman proposed, Can't we just step inside and get away from this weather? His name was Job Trites. I just need you to confirm that he was taken to Memphis. I'm afraid I'll need to send for that information. The secretary turned toward the meeting house. If you'll just step inside with me. He glanced back over his shoulder to see Jonas Sullivan turn and lumber away, depending heavily on his walking stick. Mother, please let me accompany you. Nancy Ann stood face to face with her mom. I would be more help to you on the journey than I can be here with the children. I will have nothing of it. You must stay here. Harriet hurriedly gathered items into her bag. Mother is too frail to deal with Ryle and Ellen. She will depend upon you until your father and I return. That is how you can be most helpful. Nancy Ann fixed her hopes upon those words. Until your father and I return. This concludes Episode 9 of Chronicles of War. I want to thank you for listening and especially for helping me get word out about this podcast. If you're enjoying the story, please tell others about it. Tell people that they can download individual episodes of the story at my website, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com, or they can subscribe to the podcast there or through iTunes. It's my privilege to share this podcast with you. Until next time, I'm Darren Michael Shaw blessings.